everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a chef for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. It's Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast, and I am actually beastless today. This is becoming a regular thing in my life, especially with our other show, Industry Night. He never shows up. But no, actually, uh, he's a little laid up. We're going to have a pity party for David today. Uh, He's hurt his back. So uh, he won't be joining us in studio today, and actually he won't be joining us at the Rammies tonight. So I'm stagging it, and um, I'm kind of excited. (laughs) Anyway, so we want to thank you all for joining us today on Foodie and the Beast. We have another delicious show. So I'm so excited because what I should be doing is drinking lots of kombucha before I head out to the Rammies tonight because we all know what happens at the Rammies. And for those of you who have never been, shame on you. But uh, people do tend to overindulge at the Rammies. It it is known to have happened. So we'll be drinking some kombucha today. I'm very excited. We have Gail Gabrath. Did I say it right? Oh my God, thank God. Okay, so she is co-founder and owner of Federal Brewing Company, Fed Brew. It's in Federalburg, Federalsburg, Maryland. And she's a brewer, but she's gotten into kombucha. So later in the show, we're going to find out how she went from beer brewing to kombucha brewing. And we're going to get to taste some of her beautiful product, which is here in studio. And Mintwood Place, which is one of my all-time favorite neighborhood restaurants. Um, and I'm so excited to have them in studio today. I have Mintwood's GM, Jean. Jean, say your last name for me because I'll never say it right. Come up to the mic and just say it. Alexiev, thank you. Gene Alexiev is in studio. Now, I've known Gene for a long time because he has been at a couple other restaurants, but he's been at Mintwood for quite some time now. And he brought with him today and a whole variety of fabulous uh, plated food, his chef de cuisine, Matthew Cockrell. Did I hit that one? Yes. Excellent. Okay. And I am so excited because in studio today, we have Maria Bostich. Yes, Bostich? Mustache, like mustache. Say it correctly. Okay, great. So Maria, if you don't know, is the wine director at Compass Rose and Maidan, two of really the hottest restaurants in the D.C. market right now. And she is launching this program for the summer called Vino La Femme. And uh, it is going to be a whole bunch of wines created by women winemakers, which um, I'm very excited about because there is some really fantastic product out there right now by women winemakers. So we're going to get to Maria in just a minute. But first, Mitch Berliner. Do I have you, Mitch? Yes, you do. Hi, good, good morning. morning. How are you? How are you? I'm good. So there's going to be no bicker, no bickering this I morning. I know, I know. It'll I'm be kind nice. Kind of missing it. I don't know. I'm kind we'll of okay beast, with it. I hope he feels better. I will. Um, he's he's not really at the uh, Betty Ford Clinic, is he? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's one thing you don't have to worry about with David. But so All tell right. us about All the right. markets today, because I know July Fourth is coming up, and you guys are yeah. ready to help people do their barbecues and picnics. Tell us what's happening. We are slammed this weekend. We are indeed your July Fourth headquarters you, for this weekend. There's still plenty of time to come to our Nova Market and to the Bethesda Market. Mm-hmm. We're open till like one one thirty. 
and there is plenty, plenty at the market. Produce, we got white peaches, yellow peaches, apricots, pulots, every kind of berry, three kinds of plums. We've got plenty of baked goods, fruit pies, pickles, breads, you name it. We are your barbecue headquarters. You don't want to cook. We've got, of course, all kinds of meats, poultry, duck breasts. You name it. We have charcuterie, cheeses. You name it. Let me ask you a question about some of the vendors at market, because sometimes this time of year, there's such a surplus of some of the vegetables and products that are available. But sometimes people don't know what to do with them. So like duck breast is such a great example. A lot of people love duck, but they're afraid to cook it because it's so fatty. Do the vendors there really engage with you and give you great ideas and try to help you when it comes to cooking products maybe that they're not familiar with? Well, that's a great question. Uh, the answer I am is yes, yes, yes. I full of great yes. questions, Mitch. Indeedy, indeedy. Um, and your parents didn't raise any food when I met them. <laughs> okay. So anyway... Um, I will tell you that not only are the vendors really helpful on how to prep and everything, but you can always come to the info tent. And now they have something new that they didn't have when I grew up. It's called the Internet. I don't know if you've heard of it, <laughs> heard of um, it. but it's like very useful. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you're wondering about something, and you just, and sometimes you can even ask this person, I don't know where she's residing, Siri. Uh-huh, and, Siri um, and Alexa. Lot, They're helpful people. Right. Yes. Right, except when they're listening in on you. Right. It's very dangerous. Okay. But anyway. Um, so, Mitch, will your markets be open we... next week? Will they be open after of the course. holiday? Okay. We are open year round, so the holiday is like all weekend, both weekends, all during the week. And we've got something new. People can go on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to start with Geppetto Catering using exclusively produce, meats, poultry, cheeses, charcuterie, breads, you name it, from the market. And we're going to have farm-to-table dinners with some of the proceeds going to Mana. We have a very close relationship with Mana, so we expect to raise like six figures for them. Oh, terrific. Uh, well, the, will you get me that info dinner. so we can make sure we have that on the list? Are you yeah. on it, .com? I promise we will. And okay. also shortly we'll be up on the website. We're doing that the last Saturday in July. Mm-hmm. So, but all the details will be available. We're making it limited to 80 people, so it'll be very intimate, and it'll be, um, you know, on a farm in Poolsville, Maryland. So it'll be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful event, raising money for a good cause. And so, information will be available. Excellent. On all right, Mitch. Well, we'll look out for that. Markets.com. We'll look out you for all it. that. Thank you so much, and we'll see you at the market. You got it. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. So just remember, please, that you can go to your farmer's market today and check out all the fabulous produce and uh, product that they have at Central Farms Market, both in Virginia and here in Bethesda. Um, And they really have, they have over 60 vendors at both markets. So if you're looking to do a barbecue or a picnic or something fabulous for July 4th or just fill your house with goods, that's the place to hit. Okay. So now we're ready for some wine. Who's ready to start their Sunday morning with wine? I saw a little rosé actually actually over there, which is my uh, my current poison. So tell us, Maria, tell us a little bit about how you got into the wine biz. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm today. delighted to have um, you here. Always a pleasure. 
And um, I got into the wine business uh, kind of a happy accident, but fermentation has kind of always been in the family. We're actually four generations of bakers. Oh. So wine, baking, and kombucha all have a Right, I feel like we have a whole symbiotic thing going on here. Yeah. But um, I've been working uh, with Rose since Compass Rose opened. Mm -hmm. Rose Previtt. Rose Previtt, yes. Mm -hmm. And... uh, as you know, Compass Rose has uh, a wide array of countries that it's featuring, and the wine program was no different. She tasked me with uh, writing a wine program that was focused on the lesser-known regions But for of the people world. who don't really know about Compass Rose and Maidan even a little bit more, um, it, it is a very varied menu. Can we talk about some of the countries that are featured there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, the Republic of Georgia is the mm-hmm. nucleus, uh, an inspiration both from a wine and a culinary perspective. Um, and I mean, it put Kachapuri on the map here in D.C. Absolutely. And we're all very grateful yes, for that. <laughs> both my thighs. Thank you. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you have countries ranging from Malaysia, um, different parts of China, down to South America. We've gone to Bolivia. We've gone to Mexico, um, Argentina. We're looking at all throughout Eastern Europe and Southeast Asia. Um, and every once in a while, we'll also have a dish from the United States. Right now, we currently have steak and potatoes inspired by Ohio. Oh, cool. I didn't know <laughs> so that. there's still something U.S. represented. So when you have all these varying flavors converging in one area, how do you go about complementing with wines? Because you also, uh, Compass Rose is really well known for their very varied wine program. It's not Eurocentric. It's really got a wide offering of wines. Yeah. No, that was um, absolutely a challenge. And, you know, learning under um, with that challenge, I think, allowed me to really develop my palate and the program. So, mm-hmm. When you have a multitude of flavors and countries and spices on the table at any given time, you know, it's not a compartmentalized appetizer and entree style of dining. You really need wines that can accommodate all those flavors. And that's the case both at Compass and at Maidan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really a challenge, but I think it allowed me to venture into these different flavor profiles, these different methods of making wine that most often are found um, within the low intervention or natural wine world. Um, okay. Within we, you just like said a buzzword to me. Sorry. We'll talk later about natural <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. wine. I, I, but that's like a whole. That's like a whole. All show. of these, of course, of course. But all of these, we really focus on the lesser known regions, and mm-hmm. these regions have been doing it natural for some eight thousand years. Right. So it's really the cultures that we're that we're interested in the stories of the winemakers, and these wines work really well with all of these high spiced and like beautiful different foods. How do you? Is it hard with, I feel, let let me start over. (laughs) The American palate when it comes to wine, you know, and our heads when it comes to wine is very Eurocentric, maybe a little South American. And of course, because of the cheaper wines in Australia, those have come more into play. But wines from Georgia, Bulgaria, you know, uh, Lebanon. I mean, there are Greece, there are fantastic wines from all regions. Is it hard to get that to your patron? Are people asking questions? Or are people really curious? What's what's the experience for you? Um, well, in the very beginning, I think we had a lot of furrowed brows and questions and confusion mm-hmm. about the wine list. Uh, but I think over time, we've really placed an emphasis on communicating and, and educating. And I mean that in the 
the best way possible. It's sharing, really. It's not educating. Mm -hmm. So tasting um, our guests on wine and showing them sort of this beautiful new world, Mm -hmm. literally. Um, And it's been a really beautiful experience. We actually just recently had a whole wine festival. I was there. Yes. Yes, you were. Thank you for attending. It was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Rose and I have these ideas usually over a glass of wine. And then the next day we're like, wait, why did we decide to do this? But it was... (laughs) So incredible. It was a lot of work and totally worth it. And we'll do it again. But it was literally just talking about all of this, like that there is this entire globe of wine that we don't really appreciate or fully understand because we've been so focused on Europe, California and at the other countries that you mentioned. So we're looking well, to so expand that So what are palette. you going to pour for us first? We'll talk about the the program that you're doing featuring women winemakers. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to pour for us first this so, morning? I love rosé too. And rosé all day. I also am, you know, I'm from California. My mother is Latin American and Spanish, so I have a great affinity for wines from Latin America and Central America, and I found this amazing female winemaker from Mexico who makes this beautiful rosé using the indigenous Mission grape. And it's so refreshing. It's the color of like Provence, so it's something that, you know, aesthetically we can relate to, but it has this incredible like underripe strawberry, even like Greek yogurt thing going on that I find fascinating. Okay, I am so piqued. All right, so I would love for you to pour that for everybody in studio, please. A little rosé for everybody to start your day. And we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get some kombucha in our system. So this is Nikki Nellis. I am solo today. Foodie and the Beast will be back in just a sec. Hey, everybody. Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. Welcome back. So we just got some beautiful rosé poured from us from uh, Maria Bustache. Am I saying it right? Okay, okay, good. Um, uh, which uh, is being featured right now at Compass Rose. So we're going to, everybody cheer us. Take a little sip. Get the party started. Mm. Ooh, it's delicious. Um, and now we're going to drink some rosé kombucha. Right, Gail? That's right. Hi. So this is Gail. She is joining us. Now, she was originally a beer brewer. Yes, I, I started the um, the business with uh, with craft beer in mind. Uh-huh. Um, and really to, to take a step back uh, from that, I started the business with transforming a small town in mind. Okay. So, so this um, is Federalsburg? It's Federalsburg, Maryland. So it's, it's Eastern um, Shore. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, in Caroline County. Uh-huh. And um, I purchased an, a historic bank building and then thought, okay, well, what am I going to do in this town to help them? So everything all signs point it to craft beer would help to transform a town. Mm-hmm. And in the process of getting to know the community and getting to know what I enjoyed doing, what I found was that brewing kombucha was effortless for me, okay. whereas brewing uh, beer was a little more difficult, both mm-hmm. physically and it just didn't come naturally for me. So, but wait, did you start brewing beer? Is that what you were doing first? Well, we um, we did a little. We have so our this federal is you brewers and permit. Your partner, uh, my partner Stanley mm-hmm. Novak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started doing that, and um, then I started fermenting everything because once you get that fermentation bug, you 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 will experiment heavily. And I always told people keep your dog away from me because I might try that one too. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I did discover kombucha mm-hmm. in the first time. No, I, so it wasn't something you were really drinking or you hadn't already heard about the health benefits about it? Nothing like not, that? Not necessarily. The mm-hmm. first time I drank it was in 2013, the same year that I purchased the building. It was at a 
a mantra fest in Philadelphia. Oh my God, we're going to start. <laughs> I already meditated this morning, so I hear you. Okay. So it was a kundalini yoga fest, um, and it was Reed's kombucha. So mm-hmm. that was my first experience. And, and it, what did you think? I thought that this is unlike anything I've ever experienced right. in my life mm-hmm. and started looking for it in stores and then, you know, being a little on the frugal side, started brewing it at home. What does it take to brew kombucha? And maybe we should explain to everybody. I mean, listen, you walk into a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's or even a 7-Eleven now, there is kombucha. Right. So, you know, that's in the last five years. But mm-hmm. what is kombucha? Kombucha starts out as sweet tea. Okay. And then it's inoculated with a culture. What kind of tea? Does it matter? Yeah. Um, well, I, f- I feel that it, re- it really matters. You have to have a very high quality tea. Mm-hmm. But uh, traditionally, tea, it's bre- tr- traditionally, it's brewed with black. Okay. There are some um, brewers who use green. Mm-hmm. And we, in our um, signature blend, we use a combination of white peony, um, Darjeeling, and Sencha. So mm-hmm. it's black, green, and white. Yeah, um, you've just named two of my favorite teas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, some of our other teas we'll, we'll use just a, um, a Darjeeling mm-hmm. um, or a Sencha tea, but... Um, primarily it's a blend of three different types of teas. Mm -hmm. So you start with, uh, as I said, sweet tea, which is very popular on the Eastern shore. Um, And then you... When you say sweet tea, how much sugar are we adding to the tea? Well, it depends on the size of the batch, but you do put a lot of sugar. We use pure cane sugar in it. Mm -hmm. Most of it is consumed during the fermentation process, though. So it ends up with a low um, residual sugar uh, level. And there are even studies that have proven that with regular um, consumption, it can help reverse type 2 diabetes. Hmm. Of course, you can't uh, drink uh, kombucha floats all the time mm-hmm. with with um, ice cream, but uh, it has multiple health benefits. So um, depending on how big your batch is, as a home brewer, if you were doing just a gallon, you could have a batch of kombucha ready in a week. And what do you put in it? To make to ferment it, um, it it is it's just like you would have a bread with a sourdough bread. You need a culture, and mm-hmm. years ago we used to make something called friendship bread, where you pass the culture sure. to, to, um, through to your so different friends. So it's yeast based. It it is a um, cel- um, cellulose mat of mm-hmm. bacteria and yeast. That sounds yummy. <laughs> And that's why I don't like to talk about that one too much. It's like if I if I pull the veil back and show you what this mother looks like, she's one ugly mother. (laughs) What does the mother look like? Like In my head, like it looks like 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 a like a pulsating. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's not completely inaccurate. Okay. Um, It it's pretty remarkable in that the mother, much like mothers, Uh will protect its babies. Okay. So it will create um, or develop a uh, cellulose mat that takes on the shape of whatever vessel it is it is put in. Okay. So it, um, it starts off little tiny dots you'll see on the top of your batch, and then they connect together, mm-hmm. and, they, um, and they will protect the brew. So it creates a, an anaerobic condition so that um, nothing can get through to the tea. Okay. Um, it, it also has this amazing way of eliminating anything that doesn't belong in there. Um, we have, so like extracting impurities. Yes. Okay. Um, there, there have been studies that show that within just a few days, even if you were to intentionally put pathogenic bacteria into kombucha, it will kill it. What does that mean? I don't, I don't know what pathogenic. Bad bacteria. Bad bacteria. The stuff that makes you sick, okay. unlike the probiotics, mm-hmm. um, which 
our health, there's healthy bacteria, sure. which is everyone's talking about probiotic, this and that. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of which, our probiotics are very unique. We don't purchase them in a lab. These are naturally occurring. Right. So, for, so you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but um, so the kombucha, much like um, kimchi and slaws that are fermented, fermented foods, mm-hmm. they create their own probiotics. So, you know, a glass full of kombucha a day helps your gut naturally, right? Right. right. Okay. And I always it's tell... It's a shame that wine doesn't do that, given its fermentation. Well, we can be friends. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I've made some beautiful bellinis using our just peachy kombucha with um, with a Prosecco. Uh-huh. Um, I've also, as, as uh, recently as last night, because it was so darn hot, I made mm-hmm. a sangria using our um, uh, grape mint kombucha. Oh. Um, and... Also tried one with the um, just peachy kombucha. Okay. And you just add a little bit of your favorite wine, some fruit, fresh fruit, mm-hmm. or just a, even if you have a juice hanging out in the back of your fridge, just throw it in there. And it's the simplest way to make a um, low alcohol, healthy version of a sangria. Well, given all this like sober curious and all that BS mm-hmm. that's going on out there, I don't buy it. It sounds like a marketing trend. <laughs> That's not going to stick. Um, but it is, if people are serious about it, this sounds like a great way to take a step down and make a lower uh, alcoholic drink. So at what point when you're creating your kombucha, do you add the the fruit? During the second fermentation. So okay. you, you ferment it once, mm-hmm. and then you pull the mother out, mm-hmm. and then you add whatever flavors you'd like to. Some of them are just a single fermentation where I put herbs in along with the teas that I blend together. Um, Mm -hmm. So they don't require any additional fruits because everyone's looking for the lowest sugar kombucha um, on the market. So, Mm -hmm. um, for example, our Just Peachy, I use an organic black tea and um, peach uh, tea. Mm -hmm. So there's no second fermentation. But uh, with our wild mean blueberry, there is a secondary fermentation, and I throw in a ton of wild mean blueberries in there. Okay. Um, so, so is that part of a conundrum with kombucha, the sugar content? Yes. Because, because I would assume people who are trying to be healthy don't want to drink things with sugar in it. Right. right? So there is there is definitely an education curve where mm-hmm. people are super concerned about the sugar levels in kombucha. However, kombucha I mean, helps to stabilize blood I mean, sugar levels. Do you know what I mean? Like count me as one. I don't drink anything but water and wine. So, mm-hmm. um, But I do try to have some kombucha or a fermented um, like kimchi or something mm-hmm. during the day just as a way to, you know, keep my body healthy. Right. So um, so how do you how do you work within that? Like I I I read a lot, I know a little bit about it. Um, but how do you work to educate people about your kombuchas? Uh, primarily at the farmers markets. Mm-hmm. It's been our best way to give Three minute lessons all day long. Are people so, curious? Absolutely. Are they tons of I, what, what I find is we'll have some curious people come up and they either don't know what it is at all or mm-hmm. they've had it somewhere else and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily like it because it will give you what I like to call kombucha face. A lot of them are really strong and vinegary. Vinegary. Mm-hmm. And so. Well, let's try your rose while you're talking. Uh, I feel um, like we should stick in the theme. There we go. Thank you. So, everybody um, else, everybody should have some kombucha. Come on. This particular um, uh, blend is made with uh, white tea. Okay, um, so that has zero vinegar taste. Right. And So why is that? 
it's a very fresh kombucha, mm-hmm. number one. Um, number two, um, we're slowly fermenting it. We're not, um, I don't, it's very hard for me to to not give dirty little secrets. But in the industry, oftentimes, some of the larger companies are under the gun to crank it out quickly. Mm-hmm. So they start with massive amounts of starter tea, okay. meaning a very strong kombucha, mm. which essentially is a kombucha vinegar. Mm-hmm. So that allows them to drop the pH level down low and end up having a, um, a kombucha that isn't necessarily naturally fermented to get to that level. They started out um, so does that change the health benefits of it or it just changes the taste? Um, well, it changes the taste. And mm-hmm. in my humble opinion, I feel like it's not as alive, but that's not my science-y um, right. background or anything like that mm-hmm. speaking. I just feel like if you if you rush something, it's not going to be um, as healthy because it's going to be forced. This is a living food. Sure. And so I think it needs to be treat it gently mm-hmm. and with love. Well, since we're talking about how much we love them, why mm-hmm. don't we try some more? Of them? Okay. Okay. So what do we got? So we our number them? one seller is our um, wild Maine blueberry. And okay. I think it's primarily because people eat with their eyes. And mm-hmm. so the, um, the blueberries release a lot of their um, color um, and, and you um, are getting the anthocyanins from the blueberries, so mm-hmm. it's a nice deep color on it. And again, I think you probably noticed that it's not very um, bubbly. It's, and it's also no, actually, what's missing is the from the kombucha mm-hmm. that I'm used to mm-hmm. is it's missing that pop. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So some kombuchas, like when you open it up, it's like right. you know, like bubbles mm-hmm. and um, fizz. There's none of that, and there's also no sour. Right. But this gives off to me a false presentation. When I look at this, it looks like it's going to be sweet mm-hmm. and sticky. Right. And it's neither of those things. Thank you. Which is yeah. really interesting. We don't force carbonate it. And I made the difficult decision to be a little different from everyone else. Um, a few years ago when I attended the Mother Earth News Fair with my daughter who um, has had stomach issues her whole life. Mm-hmm. And I looked around at all the other um, brewers and was comparing myself. Everyone had really bubbly kombucha and we did not. Mm-hmm. And I and I just turned to my daughter and I said, I think I'm going to have to do it. That's what everyone else is doing. And she basically did like the um, share snap out of it, mom thing <laughs> and said, Mom, if you do that, I can't drink it. Oh, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's true for so many people who have stomach problems. Mm-hmm. The people who need it the most aren't drinking it because it's too bubbly. Right. So. It's a little different. It is a little different, and there's nothing wrong with being different. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be like everybody else, mm-hmm. and clearly you're not. So um, let's taste that last one quickly because right. we got to take a commercial um, break. This one is Green Garden Chamomile. Okay. We're going to drink the Green Garden Chamomile. When we come back, we'll tell everybody where they can find you okay. and where they can find all these fabulous kombuchas. This is Nikki Nellis. I am getting super, super healthy before I get super, super not. Uh, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Hey, it's Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're getting super healthy in studio. I have Gail Gabarath with me. She is pouring her fabulous kombuchas. And uh, we have tried just a fantastic variety of them. They're so different from the kombuchas that you're used to, which can be really effervescent and uh, sometimes a little hard, a little hard on the tongue and a little hard to drink. And these are very flat 
but uh, super flavorful. So just tell us quickly where we can find all these kombuchas. Uh, well, we are a startup, so mm-hmm. we're growing quickly. We're primarily on the eastern shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're making our way into um, the D.C. market. Um, we um, are currently at Growls and St. Michael's as mm-hmm. a retail location. Um, we just got approved at the Common Market Co-op in Frederick, Maryland, so mm-hmm. That's a bit closer. I'm a big um, Frederick fan. Yeah, so, so we're in uh, the Easton, Annapolis, St. Michael's, mm-hmm. and Kent Island Farmers Markets. We're also in a number of um, very nice restaurants in Easton, including Out of the Fire, Taste Small Plates, Piazza oh, sure. um, Market. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I'm sorry if I've forgotten anyone, you guys. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, so, but you're looking to come to the D.C. market, a- I absolutely. assume, Absolutely. Right? Well, um, it's more that the market is looking for me to, sure. to come in because at these uh, at St. Michael's and in Annapolis, we get a lot of people visiting and mm-hmm. they keep saying, please come to D.C. Yes. So I'm trying to slowly but surely. I don't want to rush my mother's. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for thank joining you, us Nikki. this morning. I really appreciate it. And your products are really fantastic. And, and I, I have a website, so I'll, I'll be posting uh, new locations on there. It's uh, great fedbrew.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Gail. Okay. Hey, Maria, back to you. What do you think of those kombuchas? Oh my gosh. I think they're fantastic. And I loved hearing everything that you were saying, especially (laughs) about your process, understanding and learning fermentation. So now let's talk about at Compass Rose, the program you're doing featuring women winemakers. Why, why do it? Um, well, we've always been a female owned and operated, uh, institution and <laughs> true there's lots of checks at both restaurants <laughs> lots of checks mm-hmm. um and i've always been fascinated with the fact that the wine industry and the food industry is pretty uh male dominated so um in the spirit of everything that we are looking to promote um mm-hmm. we have been looking to promote female winemakers because there aren't that many that are well known um that especially is true in the States. that is very true yeah so uh, how did you go about finding the ones that you wanted to feature most? Well, um, I'm so fortunate to have the opportunity to travel so many places and meet and develop personal relationships mm-hmm. with um, our producers. And so um, I've just been researching, reaching out. Um, sometimes even Instagram is an, an amazing tool. Um, but um, I found two sisters that kind of spurred the inspiration in the Republic of Georgia. Okay. Um, before the age of 23, they had received a grant through the Michelle Obama Foundation to um, help female entrepreneurs abroad. And they converted their family land into a biodynamic winery. Wow. And they are now crushing it, mm-hmm. as we say. Um, I've actually been to their so winery. Do they, I see their label. Do they make the wine... Uh, in the traditional Georgian quivery, the yeah. quivery, yeah. So that's the clay amphora that they actually right. bury under the ground. Um, and as I said, Georgians have been making things organic and natural for a long time, but they actually have gone so far as to get the biodynamic certification. So, and- the, but biodynamic is like a little bit like voodoo, right? Yeah, you could say that biodynamic farming is to regular farming what homeopathy and natural pathology right. is to medicine. Um, but it's interesting because you know it's alive and well uh, mm-hmm. across the globe. So that is true. Yeah. 
happening. Um, these sisters are awesome. They've been, we've been to their farm. Um, they've been at the restaurants. We love them. Um, okay, so tell us about the two wines. Okay, so uh, in the spirit of fermentation and even kombucha, we have a pet nat here today. Okay. And this is their first pet nat project with the Aladistori grape, which is indigenous to the central part of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And it is it is slightly bubbly. You are going to get some of those astringent, even almost like shrub-like notes, hmm. but it's dry. And I found it's an incredible food wine um, and super unique. And right now, I think people are really interested with different types of fermentation. Absolutely. Um, and they do a pet nut in the Quevery, which is super unique. Um, we also have a Quevery red wine, mm-hmm. um, Ascanori Sapere. There will be a quiz later to make I know. sure we I all seriously, understand like, these you know, grapes. I can't pronounce. I like, I like waited for you to say quevery because I'm like, I, I see the word in my head, but I know I'm gonna mispronounce oh it. Gosh. I know it's been such a such a fun experience learning how to pronounce all these things. But um, this is such a like rich, deep red wine. Mm-hmm. I typically stick within the skin contact reds and whites, lighter, more effervescent wines because I think they're more food friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is served chilled, and even though it's like dense and rich, it's not heavy. Okay. Um, so it's super food friendly. Great. I'm going to let you pass that around. Awesome. And uh, I have some gorgeous, gorgeous food in front of my face, but I don't have people in front of the mic. So if I don't get the two of you up in the mic, I can't talk to you. So Jean and Chef Matt or Matthew, how do you prefer? Either or. Either or. Well, that doesn't tell me what you prefer. So pick. Matt. Matt. Hi, Matt. How are you? So we have uh, two of the boys from Mintwood, which is a well-known neighborhood restaurant up in the Adams Morgan area. And for those of you who haven't been in recently, Jean, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what's happening at Mintwood as of late? Yeah, uh, Mintwood is coming up on seven years, but it's... Uh, God, is it really it, seven years? No, it doesn't feel like it. Um, but uh, we started uh, with a big bang uh, back in the day when there wasn't really a restaurant of our caliber with our aspirations in terms of service and the culinary uh, strength. And mm-hmm. uh, we were immediately very, very popular um, and continue to be. It's not a large restaurant, but uh, we are one of the original neighborhood restaurants in D.C., and um, we're, we're in a terrific spot that, that is kind of a crossroads for uh, multiple neighborhoods, actually, not just Adams Morgan. We right, because it's sort of at the top. You've got Calorama, exactly. DuPont's right down the street. Yeah. Exactly. And we're seeing a lot of people coming out now from Columbia Heights and even a little bit of Lower Petworth. Um, so there's a kind of mobility around the restaurant scene. But I think there's few restaurants, I would say Hanks and DuPont Circle um, is one. Um, I would say Blue Jacket and the new development down south is, mm-hmm. is another um, in the developing neighborhood scheme. But we are one of the few places where we genuinely do see uh, people coming out a couple of times a week, uh, multiple times a month, uh, thinking of us for our special occasions. I look at reservations all the time and people come back um, religiously for Mother's Day or New Year's or another holiday that's important to them. People come to celebrate birthdays. So it's a, it's a wonderful dynamic to have. And I think Um, because in the last couple of years, a lot of places have opened all over the city. Um, People still have us, uh, oddly enough, on the bucket list. You know, they know that we've been in the uh, top 100 in the Washingtonian seven years straight, Mm -hmm. and they just still haven't gotten around to us. So um, there's a lot of people coming through the door, especially Fridays and Saturdays where people are making the time and saying, we are going to make that trip and check check this place off the list. They're coming in and saying, I can't believe you guys have been – Uh, open seven years, and uh, I'm so excited to finally dine with you. Well, that's so nice. I mean, it is an interesting dynamic to be both a neighborhood restaurant and a destination restaurant, to still have a, you know, a a name that people want to check out and know, and then the people who live up the street being like, oh, I know I can just go there and get a really good piece of fish or a terrific salad. So, Chef Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit 
about, you know, in the seven years, there have been a couple of chefs at Mintwood. Um, How long have you been there? About two years now. Okay, so you've been there a while. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit how you sort of took the menu and made it yours, because it is French brasserie style. It is very French brasserie style, but it fits. Especially when I'm looking at all the deliciousness that's in front of me right now. It very well fits my training. I came up to very classic French kitchens. Okay, like? Um, uh, Like La Chumere. Okay. Um, so oh that's my the God. Um, spent some time there. Spent some time with Diplomat as well, too, plus mm-hmm. some other French restaurants. Um, so I'm very classically trained. Um, and I'm from here. So Mintwood, just as a French American brasserie, just really fits my style as a chef and my cooking. Mm-hmm. And the neighborhood is really well received my food. And what I've done with the menu, the changeover, and how I approach my. Well, give me some cuisine. examples. Because, you know, to me, when I think of Mintwood, I think, you know, let me start again. There's so many restaurants that are opening in the D.C. market that are serving really terrific cuisine. But sometimes I think I just want something really yummy. You know, I don't I don't want to challenge myself. I want I want to eat it and be like, mm, I want more. Give me more. And I feel that Mintwood, you know, totally checks that box because you're not looking to like, you know, challenge me. No, don't take that in the wrong way. I do not. Uh, okay. I actually say that was a very good compliment. Um, my food, I believe, is very approachable, mm-hmm. um, but it still is can be a little bit exotic. Like uh, throughout the year, we'll have cat brains on the menu, sweet breads, things like that. But then, mm-hmm. you I know, you, you said ha- cat brains. No, but you didn't, not the right? Kitties, okay. Calf. Um, and I feel I really excel at is my soups and sauces. So throughout the year, soups are really on the forefront of my mind, um, as well as. So a, every time Gail said mother, were you thinking sauce? Mother sauce? Mother sauces, were you going yes, there? Of course. Okay. Um, and I also like to really pay attention to my vegan and vegetarian dishes because uh, I feel that they're more important than just having vegetables on a plate. To take the care and time I put into all the other aspects of all my other dishes to put the time into those as well, too, because, you know, I am a omnivore, carnivore for short, but I love my veggies, and I think a lot of people do, so I think it's important to focus on those. In well, give us an that. example. I mean, I, I think that it's, it is interesting because 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago, vegetarians, vegans, gluten-free, you know, people with dietary restrictions, mm-hmm. I think in general, chefs would kind of roll their eyes and be like, pain in the neck, a table for four. Sure. Do you know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> yes. But now there's a real sort of like, no, I mean, not only can I serve these people, but I can give them more than a plate of carrots. Well, you can excel at, at it too. And, and they're guests just like any other guests. And so it's important to not just dismiss them for mm-hmm. any sort of sense of reason. Dietary restrictions I mean, and allergies. Just in case they're a pain in the neck, which does happen as well. Never, never, never. <laughs> um, Well, for example, what we have here is um, soup we just put on, um, very seasonal. Um, peaches were very early this year, which mm-hmm. I was kind of happy about. But it's uh, white peach and balsamic soup. So little goat cheese, white yellow peaches, white balsamic. That's um, gorgeous. little garlic crouton. It just is very well. It's a very nice, light summer soup, a little bit acidic, but it's very fruit forward. Mm-hmm. And it's just fun. Well, and let's talk about given all the vegetables that are out there right now, are mm-hmm. there some that you're like, yeah, I can't wait to work with that and do something really fun and delicious with it? Um, sure. Well, my favorite season just passed, unfortunately. That's all the great. ramps, mm-hmm. you know, that's my favorite with the ramps and nettles. Um, although I do use a couple of local farmers, and since it's been so hot lately, they some things have been extended through the season. Mm. So, you know, it's it's quite the weird thing as, you know, a chef and wanting to have seasonal things and foods that I love. And with all of this climate issues going on, that seasons tend to either be shorter or longer. Right. So like tomatoes will be around till like almost the beginning of November now. Yes. It's insane. And right? heirlooms have already popped. So it's, it's crazy, crazy, right? So. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the other things that you brought here and things we can look forward to for this summer. 
This is Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We're getting into some delicious food in studio. We'll be back in just a sec. Hey, everybody, it's Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast, and I am digging into some deliciousness. Chef Matt from Mintwood, tell me what we have in front of us today. Uh, so I just talked about my peach soup, but as well, we have uh, a dish I like to do in the summertime. It's a smoked trout dish mm-hmm. uh, with sort of uh, like a Scandinavian-style potato salad. Think red bliss potatoes, fennel, lemon zest, capers, dill, um, little radishes and fennel, um, cucumbers, just a good summer dish. This here is my pate. It's it is my labor of well, love. Well, as you can see, I already took a bite out of it. Yes. It's so yummy. It's ten years in the making. Um, and I wait, is it a ten-year-old pate? No, what am I eating here, not. chef? It's it's uh, it's fermented pate. Is okay. Oh my god, are we like fermenting all day today? I am so healthy. <laughs> um, this recipe took me about ten years to perfect. It was passed on to me for one of my mentors, um, mm-hmm. and I took it and made it my own, and I think it's turned out pretty well. And here's one of my favorite dishes. I love beets. I feel like a lot of people dislike beets because they were forced to eat the canned beets as a child. See, I don't feel that way about beets. I feel like in the last five or six years, beets are on every single menu and everybody wants to do them like the same way. So I am I feel beaded out. Fair. Do you know what I mean? So what are you doing to your beets? Because that does not look like how I've been eating beets. No, or it not definitely doesn't. Um, I feel this presentation is pretty unique. So mm-hmm. I call it's it a beet carpaccio. It's three different beets. Mm-hmm. They're all cooked the same but different. So they're poached in wine, vinegar, water, and herbs. Oh, yum. So it brings some acid in the party. You have burrata on there because who doesn't love burrata, right? Right. Everybody loves burrata. Orange segments, uh, pomegranates, hazelnuts, little micro basil, and, mm-hmm. you know, call it a day. Well, that looks super refreshing. It looks like it looks like summer on a plate. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so bright and vivid. So let's talk about some of the programming that you guys have on tap for the summer. Yeah, we have quite a number of events coming up, um, starting with July 4th. And Chef will talk about some of the things that he's bringing on for that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a wonderful um, patio party for Bastille Day, which, of course, is an opportunity for us. That's dear. July 14th, for those of you who yeah. don't know when Bastille Day is. Yeah, so July 14th uh, from 12 to 3, we'll have an outside event uh, on our beautiful patio when we'll do... Uh, wonderful desserts from our new pastry chef, uh, who uh, Chef will also talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do some wines. We'll do a, a, a white, uh, red, and blue, of course, uh, for our wine pours, blue being for those uh, uh, interested uh, Syrah, which tends to have a wonderful bluish component okay, to it. Syrah this... to me, like my teeth feel yes, blue, yes. just thinking about be, Syrah. It will not be a day for teeth, but it will be a day for <laughs> wine. Do you know what uh, I mean? For sure. Like Syrah, like when I think uh, about yeah. it, I feel my teeth turning like Absolutely. red. <laughs> but we'll be pouring a lovely wine from uh, from Jean-Louis Chave. Um, and Chef will do a crepe demonstration, which I, I'm pretty excited about because I haven't had his crepes, so I'm super, super thrilled. Oh, are you going to be out there like doing crepes? Yep. Like with butter and sugar? What are mm. we doing? I'm going to do two types. I'm going to do Nutella because who doesn't like Nutella? That's very true. And then I'm going to do a mushroom and gruyere. Oh, yum. So a little sweet, mm-hmm. a little savory. Um, and what, uh, so who's the new pastry chef? Her name is Stephanie Mill. Uh, she is amazing. I'm so excited to have her on our mm-hmm. team. Um, it's such a pleasure and honor to work with her. She is, uh, she was previously at NOPA. Um, so she's done some amazing work. And I'm just super excited. She's already dropped a few desserts and she. She fits perfectly for our program, and she's just super talented. And what can we look for going through the season, like some of the other dishes? I mean, you brought in such a beautiful array today, but what are some of the things that you're super excited about? Or when people come in, if they're like, where do I – it's a pretty – it's not a huge menu, but you have a Mm -hmm. lot of different offerings. So what are some things, if you were to give somebody a guided tour of your menu, what would you recommend? 
Oh, that's that's always a tough question, right? Because it depends on what you really like. I feel like really it was like. an easy question. I feel like well, I lobbed that to you. Well, I mean, it, it depends on which is so individual, right? Because you could love steak. We have plenty of options for steak. that, too. You know, We have a good hanger steak over mm-hmm. a wood fire grill. We do a nice steak au poivre, very classic. Uh, you know, chicken, a lot of people think is boring, but we knock it out of the park. No, no, no. I, I, I don't judge a restaurant because I'm not judgy like that <laughs> about restaurants. But it's so important. That you have a chicken on the menu that is delicious. Sure, and it's picked up As in the like wood Maidan fire oven, has a so. delicious, I have to throw it out to Maidan's no. chicken because they're incredible. Maidan is amazing. Drill mm-hmm. does amazing work over there. So. Right. Um, okay, well, so any last things that you guys want to share before we move on? Uh, well, I think we're looking at uh, an, an August with uh, a lot of activity around the city, but we will, of course, as always, do our restaurant week for an extended uh, sure. period. We'll do the first week and the second, and I've, uh, Chef has been... Uh, uh, previewing the Restaurant Week menu, and it looks amazing. It's a compact version of our greatest hits and also some things that are not on the menu. So come check it out. It'll be online shortly. And uh, August 12th is the beginning of the first week, uh, so make your reservations now if you'd like. Excellent. And, of course, we'll have all that information on the list, com. Just a little plug while I'm at it. All right, Maria, let's go back to you. So yeah. this, it's not a rosé. Is it an orange wine? So- Amber wine? What am I drinking? That is, um, it's made from a red wine grape, mm-hmm. but the way that it's fermented, it almost lives somewhere between what we would conceptualize to be a rosé and an orange wine or okay. an amber wine. Well, I think um, people are a little confused yeah. because a lot of orange wines look like rosé, mm-hmm. but don't have the qualities of rosé. Where this one, it's not like a Provencal rosé, mm-hmm. but it's super easy, like it's scary easy drinking. Super easy. Drinking. <laughs> like there's something wrong with this. That's how scary it is. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I've started to teach the staff that you have skin contact wines from either red grapes mm-hmm. or white grapes. And white skin contacts tend to be a little earthier and reds tend to have a little more of those berry notes that mm-hmm. we associate with that color. Mm-hmm. Um, and those obviously have many like like uh, variations within it. But this, because it's fermented in this very ancient style, um, you it's not filtered. You have mm-hmm. the sediment still alive and well. It has an earthiness to it. Plus this grape is like out of this world. Like there's only two wines, I think, in the U.S. right now that are out of story. So it's kind of, it's hot. It's hot in the U.S. New. But don't you, let's just talk a little bit about the orange amber wines. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it was a psalm throwdown for a little bit where people oh, are yeah. like, oh, yeah, you have to have an orange wine on your menu. And do you or know what I mean? Like, I feel like people were trying to, not that it's not a good wine, but some of them are funky. They're yeah, yeah, super, yeah. Funky. super funky. And funky. I, I sometimes feel like, and listen, we have people pouring wine in here a lot, yeah. and I am totally grateful for the fact that I get to expand my palate and try things that I probably would never try on my own. But sometimes I just want a great clean glass of wine. Yeah. Do I always have to challenge myself? No, Do I have to order the amber or the orange? To what you were talking about with the food. I think that sometimes I tell staff, like sometimes you want a wine that's like Game of Thrones and it's super challenging and intense. And sometimes you want to just watch How I Met Your Mother right. and either are OK. <laughs> a, that is a great, great, great it's example. A matter of your mood. And you should have a restaurant that's offering or a place, a retail store, someone that's offering you whatever Both. mood yeah, right. that you're in. So um, I think this is sort of like a happy medium of all mm-hmm. the things and kind of checking all the buckets. But. OK, so we're not going to open the other wines you brought in today, but why don't you tell us a 
little bit about some of the women winemakers that you're featuring. Yes, I know. I'm so proud to be showcasing some of their wines. And the last one that I have for you, and we can drink this when the show's done, okay. um, is a woman, Felipe Pato, from uh, Portugal. And she's the daughter of Luis Pato, very well-known winemaker. And she wanted to go off and do her own thing, make a name for herself. Um, and once again, you see another female winemaker really embracing these really old, low-intervention styles of winemaking, not um, you know, giving in to sort of like the ease, I would say, of uh, using a lot of additives or you know, uh, modern methods. So she has a mm-hmm. biodynamic winery. And she has even gone so far in this part of Portugal, there's a lot of sun, not a lot of cover. And her poor grapes for a while were wilting. Um, mm-hmm. She has these beautiful grapes, Baga and Bacal, and um, all indigenous to the region. She created a sunscreen using aloe vera and a few other herbs that she then sprayed on the vines. Um, and it's now being replicated. What? Yeah, it's amazing. That's it's like, amazing. It's tickling all my apothecary interests. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so she's brilliant and creative mm-hmm. um, and beautiful, as they all are. Um, and she's made this beautiful uh, traditional method, sparkling baga, um, that's a sparkling rosé. God, she's going to be... Like that could go for all fruits and vegetables, right? right? Yeah, she's gonna. It's brilliant. She better patent that and like get that out there. Like as we were talking with Chef Matt earlier, with the change in climate and yes. what's available and what's not available, we're going to have to find drastic ways yeah. to help protect the foods we're used to eating. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think that's the researching more of these female producers. You see the innovation and the fresh voices that are coming into the fold and sort of challenging the status quo, which I love. I love that too. Um, so please come by and share them. And you know, we have them across the board at both places, but we're featuring a whole menu at Compass. So what? Um, so we're gonna have to wrap it up in about five seconds. Mm-hmm. So Compass Rose, how long is this happening? Um, all through summer. Okay, They're all terrific. summertime wines made by women. Excellent. Okay, and anything that we want to know about Maidan before we wrap it up? Um, come on by because there's a whole slew of other wines from there, including Syrian refugee winemakers that oh, we're featuring. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, we'll have to get to that at another point in time. Uh-huh. Well, so I want to thank all my guests for coming in studio today. This was another fantastic show. We learned a lot about fermentation, I feel like, uh, with wines and kombucha and had a terrific array of uh, French-influenced cuisine. Uh, So you have lots of good eating to do. For those of you going to the Rammies tonight, drink lots of water. And for those of you who are not going to the Rammies, you can follow us all on social media and see all the fun we are having. Uh, Next week, we're taking off for the July 4th weekend, but we'll be back on... um, July 14th. Very exciting. We'll be talking with Pinch and Plate. We cannot wait. So I hope you have a delicious week and a very safe 4th of July. 